I'm Kate Katz, owner and founder of All Hands In, a soft skills development company, and welcome to The Practiced Art of Kicking Ass. Welcome back to another episode of The Practiced Art of Kicking Ass. This episode is going to be the second episode in our boundary series at All Hands In. And just to do a quick recap from episode one, where we talked about what boundaries are and why they matter. This is a boundary qu- quote from Nadra Glover Tawab, and I love her work. I am actually going to be linking to her work on in the show notes. But her quote on boundaries really, it's so, I mean, I'm just going to read it. Boundaries are the gateway to healthy relationships. And it's such a simple quote, but it's so, and it's so succinct, but it's also like a million percent true. Boundaries are the gateway to healthy relationships. And these are the relationships that we have with others. And these are also the relationships that we have with ourselves. Social and emotional boundaries are the limits and the guidelines that we as individuals establish to protect our personal space, to protect our emotions, as well as our well-being. And this shows up in how we interact with others. This shows up in how we interact with our own space or in public spaces, when we have clear boundaries, this is a really essential aspect of maintaining healthy and respectful relationships. Here's the thing about boundaries. Boundaries are not just beneficial for you to have. But when we're communicating our boundaries, this also really helps to clarify to others where they stand with you. This lets others know how you need them to show up so that you feel respected, seen, heard, and valued. This is one of the most important things about having a boundary practice for me, is that it's communicating information to others about how you need them to show up. And when others are doing this work with you, when you have others in your life who are also communicating their boundaries, it is incumbent upon you to respect those. And so when two people understand boundaries and do the work of hearing each other's boundaries and respecting each other's boundaries, that relationship shifts dramatically. And I'm able to say this from personal experience because when I started creating a boundary practice for myself, it rippled into all of my other relationships. And the relationships that I still currently have in my life are the ones where the boundaried parts of our relationship were respected. And I know I have to also look back and hold myself accountable for times when I didn't understand boundaries and didn't respect those things. And that there are relationships that I unfortunately don't have anymore because other people made decisions to appreciate and value their own boundaries. And I am now to a place where I can look back on on that and respect it. But that also took work. And I really didn't have a full appreciation for that until I had my own boundary practice that I was constantly working on and maintaining. So why do boundaries matter? We talked about this in the last episode, but we're just going to revisit this super quick before we dive into today's episode. Boundaries matter because having clear and comprehensive boundaries assists us in our social and emotional well-being. Healthier and more respectful relationships happen when we have clear boundaries, and they also increase our personal safety and peace. So that's why they matter, because boundaries bring us peace. <laughs> so what, we're ta- what are we talking about in this episode? In today's episode, we're going to be diving into how to set boundaries. 
We're going to be talking about what certain boundary levels look like, but we're also going to be talking about the two steps for identifying boundaries, and we're going to be kind of digging into all of that. Now, I will say for today's episode, there's going to be a resource. I've already mentioned Nadra Glover Tawab in the beginning of the episode. The majority of my boundary work that I do with myself has come from her. It has come from her work. So in the show notes, I'm definitely going to be linking to her books. And she gets the majority of the credit for this framework that I have in my own personal boundary practice for myself. So how do we actually start setting boundaries once we realize we need them, (laughs) once we start examining the relationship that we have with ourselves, the relationship that we have with others, how we're showing up in spaces, how we want to be showing up versus how we are showing up, right? Once we start asking these questions and we start realizing, oh, I need boundaries here, or this is a relationship that could probably benefit from boundaries, or, you know, I, I, have had boundaries in this relationship, but I think it's it may be time to revisit what those boundaries look like and how they're drawn, right? Once we're in a place where we're asking these kind of questions, the next logical step is, well, how do we set these boundaries? So let's dig in and talk a little bit about what boundary setting looks like. One of the first things that I do is I kind of gauge like how to tell where I need boundaries and when I need boundaries. Awareness, the soft skill of awareness is like the number one most useful resource you can have in this moment because you really have to do a lot of checking in. You have to do a lot of looking inward, gauging, being reflective, and just sort of sitting with your own intuition. If you notice that you are feeling very depleted or that resentment shows up on a regular basis or you're feeling burned out, Or you may also be feeling guilty when you have to say no. That was a big thing for me. Coming up against my people-pleasing tendencies was really difficult. And it's something that I still struggle with to this day. But that also became like a really helpful red flag when it came to building boundaries because I would have to pay attention to that discomfort every time that I said yes to something and I meant to say no. That actually became a really helpful resource and tool for my people-pleasing boundary practice. So in the beginning, it really is just sort of sitting with awareness and paying attention to like how you're feeling, where you're feeling those feelings, when do those feelings show up, right? What do those feelings look like in your body? Pay attention to your anxiety levels, your stress levels. Pay attention to when you feel stressed out. Are you around certain people? Are you in certain places consistently? Or do you experience a lack of paying attention, right? Do you notice that your sort of attention span drops off? Sit with awareness around all of it. Start paying attention to what you're feeling in your body. Start paying attention to your thoughts. Start paying attention to your emotions because these are key ways of knowing where you need boundaries. And here's what you are looking for. When you feel deep discomfort, when you feel strong levels of anxiety, when you feel like you cannot speak your authentic truth, these are all indications that you need boundaries in some way, shape, or form. Nature has a really great way of breaking this down. She looks at boundaries on like a level, right? There, there are levels to the boundaries. The first boundary level that she looks at is porous. When we think about porous, we think about something that has holes in it. It lets things sort of like Swiss cheese, like things can get through right? There are holes in whatever the structure is and things can pass through, like a sponge. Porous boundaries are usually typically weak or poorly expressed. These are boundaries that 
if unless you have a fully trusted relationship with another person or unless you are fully trusting of yourself, you know yourself so well, like even for me, in my own personal relationship, I have to really be mindful about what I'm letting through for myself, right? And there are very few people in my life that I just let everything through. I have to have some sort of stronger boundary. I have to have some sort of check and balance. When my boundaries were typically porous, so much shit got through that it would end up triggering resentment, frustration, anxiety, right? And so that's when I realized that my porous boundaries are not the best boundaries for me. They leave me feeling exhausted. They leave me feeling resentful. I end up tending to feel burned out. These are the relationships where the dynamics typically feel uneven. The power structures may feel uneven, right? Porous boundaries are usually met with a lot of feeling out of alignment. In the middle ground... The place that we're striving to get to is a place of healthy boundaries. And the way that Nadir talks about this, she's got a great quote, and it's healthy boundaries are when your past doesn't show up in your present interactions. And I love thinking about it that way. Typically nine times out of 10, when I am having a reactive moment, it's because something in my past is informing this present moment. Some trauma or trigger from my past is showing up to insert itself in a moment that it may actually have no place in. And if I've been establishing healthy boundaries along the way, the odds of that reactive emotion coming to the forefront is usually pretty low. But when my boundaries are watered down or porous, or worse, we're going to get into it in a second. I mean, typically when they're porous, right? When my boundaries are really weak and watered down, those reactive moments right, that are being triggered by something in the past, they can show up present day and just destroy an interaction that I'm having with another person. And that's unfair to the other individual. It's also unfair to myself. So when I'm having, you know, healthy boundaries, one of the things that I'm constantly looking for and checking in with is how am I currently showing up right now? Am I letting past trauma and past experiences inform how I'm showing up? Or am I able able in this moment to stay open, to stay vulnerable, to stay honest, to stay sincere, to stay connected, to have courage, right, to be authentic? Am I able to show up in this moment? as myself? Or is there something in my past that's inserting itself in this present interaction, right? That's sort of how I'm gauging where I have healthy boundaries. If I'm able to show up as my most authentic self, and I'm able to feel belonging, and I'm able to feel acceptance, and I'm also able to extend that to others, those are pretty healthy boundaries. That's a pretty healthy boundary environment for me to be in. For me, with healthy boundaries, this looks like awareness of my mental, emotional, and physical capacities and require clear and effective communication. This includes being clear about what my values are, listening to my own opinions, This also includes sharing appropriately and having healthy vulnerability with those who have earned my trust. I think that that's the biggest thing about the healthy boundary circle. It's with those who have earned it. And I'm able to say no comfortably in that circle. And the people in that circle are also able to hear no and not take it personally. So that's what healthy boundaries to me looks like. It looks like it looks very similar to the community that I currently have in my life right now. And I am very grateful for that. But so much shifts when we are able to build that community for ourselves. 
and when we're able to hold space for each other that way. And it really does boil down to boundaries. The other boundary level that Nidra talks about as being really important and having awareness of the rigid boundaries. Rigid boundaries are something that I, personally, I gotta be honest, I really think that there is a time and a place for rigid boundaries. I really do. You know, I have had people in my life who I love and care about who have needed to put these in place. And I know that there are times in my life where I've had to have rigid boundaries. Rigid boundaries can be fairly destructive, but I also don't just want to write them off entirely because they can be incredibly helpful when we are in dangerous or abusive environments or we feel like we just lack the agency and advocacy to speak on our own behalf. I really think that in the beginning, rigid boundaries are a, a totally appropriate course of action, but that they do need to be revisited. And and you kind of have to check the, the maintenance of these boundaries. You can't just put a rigid boundary in place and walk away. I don't think that that's necessarily fair or healthy, but I definitely think that they have a place. So let's just talk super quick about what rigid boundaries are. Rigid boundaries are pretty much the opposite of porous. These are like walls and they're designed to keep others out and they're designed to keep ourselves safe. And we're you know, the porous boundaries leave us feeling like exhausted, depleted, resentful, burned out. Rigid boundaries, on the other hand, come with another whole host of unhealthy side effects. And these can these can include like really high expectations for others. Like the only way that you're getting through my wall is if you climb over it, right? And I'm going to be the one to set the terms and expectations of this relationship. And if you don't meet these terms and expectations, then, you know, you're blah, 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 right? Like that's a very walled off level of communication and of relationships and that comes at a cost to us who are inside the wall as well as coming at a cost to the person outside the wall. We think that rigid boundaries are there to protect us but in reality what's happening is we've just created a prison for ourselves essentially with rigid boundaries. Rigid boundaries also look a lot like avoidance. <laughs> isolation. I laugh at avoidance. I'm not laughing at isolation. I'm laughing at avoidance because as somebody who used to have very extreme boundaries in place between like porous and rigid, avoidance, when it came to my rigid boundaries, avoidance was like my second skin. You know, when you're hiding behind your walls, it's really easy to check out and it's really easy to disengage and it's really easy to just take a step away. And there can be a lot of comfort in that. But that's, it's such a dangerous snowball because it just keeps getting bigger. And avoidance is one of those things where I remember, especially when I was much younger in my 20s, but the avoid, you know, the nature of avoidance and that like, it's like compounding interest. <laughs> like avoidance, and think about avoidance like compounding interest. Unless you tend to it, unless you confront it, that shit gets bigger and bigger over time. And there's nothing you know, unlike compound interest, which will benefit you in the long term, there really is nothing about long term avoidance that's beneficial. So, you know, that's kind of a lot of what's going on with the rigid boundaries side of things. There are two steps to setting boundaries. Like once you've identified the boundaries that you need to have in place, once you identified what's going to be most helpful or what boundaries you need to tend to and adjust and, and have look differently. The first step really is about communicating and having action 
around the boundaries. Verbally communicate your needs. This can be super, super scary. I know for me, I'm, you know, 46 now as I'm doing this podcast episode, and I'm just getting to a place in my life at 46 now where vocally speaking my needs is the current practice that I'm in. Like, I have to say it out loud. And it's it can be really scary and really shocking. So I get that in this step of boundary practice, uh, many of you may hear this and kind of cringe inside. There is a reason. There's a reason why it's really important for you to be able to speak your needs. And it does come down to feeling empowered and building that confidence. But also it's about knowing your own worthiness. And when we speak our needs out loud, when we stand up and say, this is something that I need, or this is behavior I'm no longer going to tolerate, a lot shifts for us. It is such a powerful moment. It's such a powerful choice and such a powerful behavior when we verbally communicate our needs. So step one in terms of setting boundaries once we've identified them is about communicating our needs. This is what this can look like an example. When we have a disagreement, I'd like you to lower, to use a lower tone and to take a break. And when you feel like you're getting heated in the argument, I will also mention when I'm feeling uncomfortable with your tone, right? Saying something like that. Now, as an example, yeah, that's great. I can say that as the example, when I'm in the moment, when I'm in an argument, when I'm up against somebody that's triggering me, oh my God, that's like the furthest away from the thing I want to reach for. What I want to do is avoid like crazy, just run outside <laughs> and leave the situation entirely. But if I'm in the middle of setting a boundary for myself, if I'm in the middle of saying, I need to speak my needs and be heard and be valued, then it is incumbent upon me to be able to say, I need this interaction to have X, Y, and Z, right? I need this interaction to not use abusive language. I need this interaction to not in include yelling, right? I need this interaction to have kind and considerate tones toward one another. Those are all really powerful boundaries that we can say. But this takes practice and it can be deeply uncomfortable. Another example is saying something along the lines of, it's important to me that you honor plans that we've made. If you need to change plans, please communicate with me a few hours in advance. I was somebody who, when I had really watered down boundaries in my last relationships, I had an individual in my life that was consistently late to our dates. And without making up stories, because I'm very prone to doing that, making up stories about why that was happening. At the end of the day, I never asserted myself and I never let them know that it was something that I took as a sign of disrespect. I never spoke up about that in that relationship. And I have to say, you know, it may not have saved the relationship. It may have ended the relationship sooner. But I would have had information that probably took me another six to nine months to get that this was not the relationship that I needed to be in. And I think about that often about, you know, how much sooner we can leave things behind that are not there to serve us. When we clearly outline our boundaries and realize we're around people that don't respect them. We're also investing more deeply in the relationships in our lives because we realize when we set boundaries, we are around people who respect them. This is such tremendous insight into who we are surrounded by and also how we take care of ourselves. The second step when it comes to setting boundaries is then we have to take action on it, right? So like we communicate our needs. We do all the work of building up the courage to communicate our needs. We do that, right? We, we clearly have what, what we're going to say. The second step is to do it. And this can feel like jumping off a cliff. And I have been, uh, I've been to the edge of many cliffs and I have jumped off 
almost all of them. <laughs> and what I will say is I always find my landing. But that step is always terrifying. And I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still going. But that initial step of taking action can be super scary. And so, you know, in, in between both of these steps, what I do want to say is between communication and action, find your courage. Like in preparation to take action, do things that make you feel brave and practice couraging. Because when you take action, you're going to be upholding what you communicated and this is going to look like consistent choices and behaviors. And, you know, what this can look like an example would be like when you have a friend that decides at the end of the day they are going to change plans at the last minute, right? When you've, when you've made that beautiful statement, right, when you've said, hey, listen, just do me a favor. If, if plans change, just give me a couple of hours of advance notice. And then you have the friend that's like, hey, so I know I'm supposed to be picking you up in an hour and we're supposed to be going to the movies, but I just found out about this rodeo that's happening in Reno, so let's go. For you to be able to say, look... <laughs> This We talked about this. I'm going to have to decline the event for tonight. I was not on board for this. And, um, you know, it maybe maybe the next time we make plans together, we can stick to what we talked about and, and we'll be able to go out and have a good time, right? Like being able to envision having a relationship where that's how you establish yourself. Nothing about this aspect of the boundary setting is easy or comfortable. But this is also how we make sure that our boundaries get respected. No one else is responsible for maintaining our boundaries except for us. And this is where it can be really hard. I know for me, it's super hard. It's so painful when I have to see my boundaries for the first time and take that risk and be and feel so vulnerable and trust that, you know, you have to extend trust that either somebody's going to hear that and, and respect your boundaries, or you're going to have to re-examine relationships because you extend that vulnerability and it's not met with acceptance. And that's also really painful. I think the biggest thing for me is that I've gotten more comfortable with revisiting and maintaining my boundaries because I've started to give people a lot more grace. I think back in the day, somebody would cross a boundary once and I would be like, that's it, rigid boundary from here on out. And what I've had to kind of do is really infuse a lot of compassion around this to say, you know, the first time I establish a boundary, people are busy and they have things going on. And I may tell somebody something once and expect that it's going to be in their mind forever, but that's not how human pe that's not how human beings work. The truth is people are human. We have lives, we forget things, and people need help remembering. So I find myself like constantly repeating my boundaries several times, maybe even with one individual, before I examine spending less time around them. But first, what I've started to do is give them the benefit of the doubt, especially these days, y'all. We're all burned out, you know? I mean, we're still recovering from this pandemic. And, you know, even if we physically are nobody's masked anymore, we still have emotional and social scars that we're processing and dealing with. So I would say particularly these days right now, when we are setting boundaries and we are doing the work of maintaining them, infusing compassion into that goes a long way. And rather than immediately jumping to like the most extreme end of the boundary practice when you realize that your boundaries may be forgotten is just to compassionately say, hey, I know that we mentioned that I mentioned this earlier. This is sort of a boundary for me. And it's not this is sort of right. That was super porous when I did just now. This is actually a boundary for me. And when you respect it, I feel X, Y and Z. But when it's ignored, I have to reexamine A, B and C right? Whatever that looks like. Finding the most compassionate way to approach our boundaries when they feel ignored 
or disrespected, that also goes a really long way. I think for me, the biggest fear that I have around this work is how others are going to respond. And we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this next time when we talk about why boundaries are so hard to set. But here's a little bit of a spoiler on this. Our number one fear when it comes to boundary work is how our boundaries are going to be received. Are they going to be met with judgment? Are they going to be met with rejection or pushback or limit testing or ignored, right? When we think about that, the fear that builds up around that can really be stagnating and make us not want to do this work at all. And I believe me, I get it. But it's helpful to imagine the outcomes that we fear and then use that as sort of the, the framework for, okay, it's not going to be like, that's our worst fear. We see what our worst fear is. We're going to acknowledge that. And let's work through that so that I know how to maintain my boundaries if and when the worst case scenario actually happens so that I don't just cave or give in or erode my needs. Let's envision the worst case scenario so then I can start practicing how to maintain my boundaries while I'm responding. That is a super helpful, then it becomes super helpful, right? Then these resources become an additional layer of help me navigate through these hard things. When it comes to getting clarity on where I need boundaries, I definitely rely on my awareness check-in. And I also get really curious. What is it about the situation? What am I experiencing? What's the interaction that I'm having that's causing me to feel the kind of discomfort I feel? What do I need to feel comfortable? What do I need to feel at ease? How do I feel safe in this situation? What is the experience or the interaction that I need to have next time in order to feel safe? When I answer these questions, I'm able to start building a framework that's going to be really helpful for my boundary setting. And this allows me, I'm able to write this stuff down. I'm able to sort of form a boundary exploration statement that looks like when X occurs and I begin to feel whatever that is, and I will need the following to occur in order to feel whatever, you know, whatever the safe thing is. So an example of this is when you raise your voice and I begin to feel scared, I need you to lower your voice so that I feel safe. That is when I'm putting these pieces together, when I'm doing the check-in, when I'm doing the what am I feeling, that's sort of the statement that I will write when X occurs and I begin to feel blank, I need the following from you, which is blank, in order to feel blank. All right. And the statement that you make from that exercise, that's your boundary. That's your boundary. And then you have to do the work of maintaining it. Boundary setting is not easy kick-assers, I'll be honest. You know, in our next episode, we're going to talk about why it's so hard to set them and, and how we can begin working through it. But in the meantime, if you are listening to this and you're doing the hard work of learning where your boundaries are or recognizing that you have porous boundaries and you need to tighten those up, or maybe recognizing that you have rigid boundaries and it may be time to re-examine the type of wall you've built up around you, right? If you're doing that work, please know that that really is kick-ass work. I I mean that in all sincerity. If you are doing this work right now, that is kick-ass work. And know that I'm just really proud of you for that. 
In the show notes, I'm going to be linking to a lot of the things that I talked about. I'm going to be giving you references today for um, Nadra Glover Taweb's work. And the book that I swear by and that I love anytime that I have to revisit my boundary practice is her book, which is called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And that is going to be in the show notes. She also has a wonderful workbook. And I am just going to throw her um, social media as well in the show notes so that people can see her and follow her and get her wisdom on this topic because she is my go-to for this. Remember, kickassers, setting boundaries is a practice. This is not a perfect. If you are coming to your practice each day and doing your best, know that that is kick-ass work. And some days that's going to be better than others. And that is okay. The most kick-ass choice that we can make is to rise each day and come to practice and try again. And if you're doing that work, you're kicking ass. And you got this. Until next time, kickassers, keep kicking ass. You've been listening to The Practice Art of Kicking Ass. I'm your host, Kate Katz. Our theme music is Let Me Groove by Music Unlimited. And if you're curious to learn more about the soft skill training and education I do with my company, All Hands In, check out our website at allhandsinworkshops.com or connect with our online communities on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for All Hands In. Remember, kickassers, kicking ass is a practice, not a perfect. You got this, kick-assers. Kick-assers.